Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in. I almost started coughing right off the bat. That would have been a horrible start. Welcome in the NBR Avalanche podcast. Uh, Jesse Montano, and she is back. Megan Angley, uh, we've missed you here the last week or so. Uh, Megan, I, I guess just first and foremost, how are you doing? Being back, all that good stuff? I'm excited to get back into a routine because first yeah. it was Nashville, and that was such a break from our normal schedule pods with everybody cycling in and out. And then I went to Puerto Rico to be with family. And so now I'm excited to get back and be in my own home and start digging into some of the dog days of summer off season topics that I know will probably be hurting to come up with by the end of summer, but I'm still excited for now. Cause I haven't had a chance to really talk with you guys about hockey in a while. Yeah. It's what is it? July 12th. So we, we we aren't having to reach like too deep into the bag yet. Yeah. Uh, like I, I think what we're gonna, we're we're going to talk about today is still timely. There's still free agency is technically still going. I had this conversation with a buddy. Uh, I think it was yesterday that like we're wanting to talk about. Oh, how did free agency go? Who did what? And like there are still a handful of you know decent names that are out there waiting to be signed. Vlad Tarasenko gets a new agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that stuff, but. Uh, we're, we are going to take a little bit of a closer look. Rudo and I spent this week talking about winners and losers around the league. So we're going to take a little bit closer look at what the abs did, uh, and, and how those players may impact the roster. We're going to take a look back at some of the best and worst free agent signings the abs have maybe ever made. Uh, but there is some bit of news that we want to talk about first. Um, the first one you actually threw to me about 15 seconds before we officially went live, like during the countdown. And we just, I, I realized we hadn't talked about it, but this is kind of what you were just <laughs> saying. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of the shit, a lot of this stuff, sorry, uh, for, for a while. Uh, so so I, I just want to start here because, Megan, you and I talked about this on At The Rink Pods, I mean, several times we had this conversation, and I believe it was last week. It does end up coming true. Martin Cow heading back to the Czech Republic to play pro hockey over there. Do you think his NHL career is done? Like in terms of, is he done pursuing it? It feels like it wouldn't have to be if he didn't want it to be. But it, there is something so final about making that decision now when San Jose did offer him a qualifying offer yeah. and he could have, get, like, especially with the position San Jose's in right now, I think he would have had a chance at more NHL minutes. He already actually had decent NHL opportunity once he got to San Jose that I think he probably <laughs> could have expected a little bit more into this next season. But some of the issue might have been 
there wasn't enough certainty that there would be enough to make it worth his time. Like, I think he would still be straddling both the American League and the National League next year, even so, even with San Jose in the position that they're in. And I think this was a decision that was made around wanting to be closer to friends and family. This was teased by Czech media much longer before this actually came to fruition. So it just makes me feel like this is motivated by things that would keep him there for for the long while. And I think the skill level, like he, there's still some part of it that I think hasn't been fully exhausted at the national league level, but it, so that's why it feels pretty final to make this decision now and not give just like a little bit more time to San Jose. No, I I agree. And and, and there's a couple things that you and I have talked about uh, regarding Alex Newhook, or excuse me, Alex Newhook. Coming soon. I, I, said, yeah. I, I was reading, I was trying to read and have this conversation at the same time. That's my own fault. A couple of things that we've talked about with Martin Kaut, and one of it is that he has just always given off the impression that he's un, he was uncomfortable in North America. And, and, and again, that's not meant to be a slight. I mean, he was a young kid, moved very far away from home, but that he just... He never struck me as that, like, I'm here because I will, I, I'd give absolutely anything to be here. It did always strike me as there's a call back home. I'd rather be close to friends and family. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was ever necessarily bad in the room, but I, I am just kind of given to believe that he, he didn't make a ton of like super close friends because he liked to go home. He liked to leave in the summer. He didn't like to be over here and maybe i'm not describing that all exactly right and that maybe sounds worse than what it actually was this this i just always thought would be where martin cat would go regardless of really kind of what happened over here that triggered a couple thoughts one is just his entry to north american hockey freshly 18 was a culture shock Mm -hmm. and if not for pavel franco's being there to help usher him into North American hockey, I think the transition would have been made impossible. Yeah. And so I do think that's a very fair part to consider in all of this. And he strikes me as a hard on his sleeve, very sentimental totally, person. Totally. And so those relationships, friends and family are of the utmost importance to him that I think these were decisions that superseded hockey at the end of the day. I agree. That, you know, isn't some deep-rooted character flaw. It's just this is someone who loves his friends and family so much, and that probably motivated his decision the biggest. Uh, no, for sure. And, and it's, I think saying he never fully felt comfortable um, over here would maybe be a little bit of a, of a more fair assessment because I don't want it to sound like I'm saying, oh, he didn't like it here, he didn't want to whatever, whatever. And the second layer to this does go a little bit back to what you were talking about him relative to San Jose. I thought it was interesting. You and I have had the conversation again on this show about what is it? What is it about Martin Kaut that, that doesn't seem to click in the NHL? It doesn't seem to work. There was a lot of speculation. Oh, do, do, do him and the abs coaching staff not get along? Is does the, the Jared Bednar fitness test from his rookie year, is that really still holding him back? Now, granted, I think an extension of that is he really struggled with that fitness testing every year, and I think that was part of the problem. But what is it? What What is it that we're not seeing that these NHL executives, the NHL coaches are seeing? The Avs moved to San Jose. He gets a chance with the Sharks right away, and he produced. He, he actually produced at a decent level, and they continued to send him down. 
pass him through waivers. Nobody claimed him. And we were saying, what is it? And then he leaves in the summer and after they had offered him a contract, it, it feels to me, is work ethic too harsh? It's part of it. It's like, I don't know the greatest term for what we're describing here, but it is something about engagement. Yes. Commitment. Yep. Maybe it's, maybe it's the commitment thing. Because when your heart's in another place, even partially, because you have to imagine that to be a hockey player at a pro level, full stop, requires a level of commitment and discipline that I can't speak to. Right. However, there are levels to it. There are Nathan McKinnon levels to it. And then there are players, if their heart is in a slightly other place, even if it is well-meaning in friends and family and other things like mm -hmm. that. And if the mental side of the game is difficult, which can be made more difficult with cultural differences, yep. I think all of these things work together and can lead to on-ice engagement issues mm -hmm. that... Thinking about being at home instead of... This is actually going to come up in the new hook conversation. If your confidence has taken a toll, if mm -hmm. you are with an organization or coming from one that didn't fully, what's the word I'm looking for? Cause I don't want to say the abs didn't give Cal opportunity or didn't believe yeah, in him, yeah. but I think it was felt that the trust hadn't been earned here yeah, in Colorado. I think trust. Yeah. Because he described wanting to play like Logan O'Connor. Mm -hmm. And I actually think a lot about Andrew Agassino being a player that he played alongside when he first came into the American League because he was meant to sort of model his game after the effort and energy level of Agazino. And it just never quite got there. Got there. It, it's not that it was completely absent from his game. It just never quite got there. And I don't know that that's something that can be learned. You either have that or you don't. He, he couldn't skate at his first development camp uh, because of the heart condition. He was there, but he couldn't skate. And then... When he came back for training camp, day one was the the Jared Bednar fitness testing and Martin Cow. I mean, like, just short of passed out on the ice. I mean, like, you know, dropped to dropped to his knees, couldn't finish it, really struggled. And everyone kind of wrote the pass of, oh, he didn't play all year. But it just seemed to me that like his reputation with the abs and then you know, maybe beyond never like fully recovered from that moment where it, you could perceive it as he didn't show up ready to training camp. And I just felt like we, everybody was always chasing, you know, him overcoming that. And you were waiting to see the, 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 the switch flip where it's like, uh, you know, Oh, there it is. He figured it out. He understands the effort. He understands consistency. He's seen Logan O'Connor. He's played next to Andrew Agazino. Uh, any of these guys that have been getting calls up, called up over the last couple of years, seeing what it takes to break through, you kept waiting for him to do that, waiting for him to do it. He'd do it for a game, and you think, there it is, he got it, and he just never did. Uh, I, I hope Martin Kalt, you know, gets gets what he was looking for. I hope he has a bunch of success and all that stuff. But uh, you and I always kind of thought that this was the the road it would eventually lead down, one way or the other. It's the motor. That's sort of what I'm actually yeah. trying to think of here. Because even in this most recent draft year, I think it's a quality that players either have or they don't. The high motor and the willingness to just work, work, work. Start of the shift, end of the shift, every single minute of the game. And I don't think that's something that can be taught. And I think that in looking at the identity of this current Avalanche group and who they're trying to bring on board, this is a quality that they can't afford to take shortcuts on. Totally.
hundred percent. Let's let's shift gears a little bit here. Talk about Alex Newhook. Uh, Bruno and I discussed his contract extension a little bit yesterday. Two point nine for four years. Uh, just real quick before we get into some of the comments that came out uh, from Newhook yesterday, which I'm not saying he was right or wrong. I just find them very interesting. Your kind of quick thoughts on four years, 2.9 for Alex Newhook. I think it's a perfectly appropriate contract. Oh, really? See, we both thought it was a little high. I think it's perfectly appropriate. I think it's sort of like the market value for a player of his caliber. However, it wouldn't have been appropriate in Colorado. I think in looking at how this team is constructed in the window that they're in specifically, it would have been too high because we don't know what Newhook is in the Avalanche group, Ford Mm -hmm. group right now. We have an idea of what we hope he would be and hope he could become, but he could slip from that and fall into maybe more of a fourth line role. And for that price point, it wouldn't have made sense. However, in Montreal, I think that there's a little bit more flexibility. And because it's four years, I think there's room to grow into that. Um, And because of what he still projects to be in the value of this type of player, I think it's perfectly appropriate. It just wouldn't have made sense in Colorado. So so you you don't have an issue with a team like Montreal paying for the upside, a team like Colorado in their situation. What you're saying, essentially, they would have needed to pay for who he is now, not who they hope he is. Exactly. But Montreal has the luxury to do that. I like that. Exactly, yeah. because I he could fall that. into a fourth-line role, and then you're looking at 2.9 fourth-line money right? and finding that a little bit difficult because that takes away from cap space that could be allowed for a different player who might be playing up in the lineup an Evan Rodriguez type and like in seeing it in that context that actually feels a little bit tougher then but for Montreal I think they can afford to take that little bit of a risk and what they're building around their forward group is a young core that he can grow with that fits really nicely there now now here's the one area where I will still disagree with you and, and and I likened it to in a different way, the kind of the Val Nachushkin extension. I told Rudo, I said, this new hook deal was a little bit higher dollar amount than I thought and a little bit longer than I thought. The fourth year is interesting. The like fourth year is interesting, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. And, you know, the part of me that thinks this could work so specifically for new hook is this is a player that severely needs his confidence restarted. Yeah. And I think this is the kind of contract that, and again, I want to be cautious. No, I, I don't want to imply hey, that a contract yeah. should ins- like in- inspire that, confidence. That, that should impact your play right, on the that's ice. That's a little yeah. bit concerning by itself. But I, I don't I need it for a player like Newhook, who I think has a terrific head on his shoulders. And this could be just a little we, bit the spark. We gave up assets for you and we paid you exactly. above what, what most other people would have thought you were worth. Exactly. That's what we think of you. Uh, and and again, the big my biggest issue with that fourth year is... If he doesn't turn into a 50, you know, 40 to 50 point consistently guy, then even in Montreal, it's like 2.9 for a bottom six, you know. I think the Cole Caulfield contract is going to age well. Okay, I, I shouldn't. Too. I shouldn't. No, I, no, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I agree was with really you on that. bold with my choice. I agree with that. you on that. I think it's going to age well for them, and I. So I feel like they're also kind of calculating how these things are going to age alongside yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're going to. If we're going to get tremendous value over here, we can take exactly, a risk. We can over take here. a little yeah, bit yeah, of a yeah, risk yeah. here. I, I think that. they they made good business decisions with Caulfield that they can afford to be a little more flexible with New Hook here. Uh, for sure. Let's uh, let's talk. We'll wrap this segment with the comments that come out yesterday from Alex Newhook. Uh, Do you want to read it directly? 
Uh, yeah, go ahead and read it directly. I, I would say I think I have it pretty off the top of my head, but I would rather have it direct. I don't know who this was okay. he was speaking to. Okay, to be fair, this isn't a direct quote. It still is secondhand oh, okay. how this was interpreted. Yep. It's at Haps in High Heels. I think it is one of their beat reporters. Yes, yep. Alex Newhook says he has a lot more to give than he's shown in the past with the Avs. Newhook says he was frustrated at times in Colorado when he felt he was underutilized and not given a lot of opportunities. In seeing, too, that it's not a direct quote, I feel some sympathy for Newhook in wondering what the exact quote was and how much of this is the interpretation of it. And I've done this with quotes before, too, so that's not a criticism of that decision, but definitely is something we should unpack both sides mm-hmm. of it because i've seen a lot of really critical takes of this commentary yeah. peter ba good friend <laughs> was here actually a couple minutes ago this was the first thing he talked to me about really? were these comments specifically yeah what did he have to say kind of what i think we're going to discuss a bit here but we don't think the criticism was applied quite fairly like there is some the criticism, criticism of the comments of the comments yeah, yeah, yeah. um is there's nuance to the type of opportunity that Newhook received. And Ba's interpretation, which I think is a correct one, is that Newhook was given opportunity, but not the opportunity to make mistakes. And he was mm. kept on a very short leash with Bednar, understandably, because of the window that Colorado was in, they are in a compete and win now mode, that they couldn't really grant many allowances right. for Newhook. And so it's a fair point that he had to be kept on a short leash, but it also harmed his confidence in such a detrimental way that it showed and what he was able to do. And to that end, too, Newhook was given opportunity, but my point was that it wasn't always created equally. Second line minutes wasn't always second line players. Sometimes that did look like a hybrid of Martin Kaut and mm-hmm. Evan Rodriguez. And that was a little bit difficult and something to consider that it wasn't always Val Nachushkin or an Arturi Lekkanen at his side or because he was moved to wing and middle at points, he had strengths and weaknesses at either position mm-hmm. as well, including on the wing where we saw some better flashes of greatness from Newhook, but this is also where he was maybe outmuscled off the puck a little bit more and it wasn't until he res- resigned to more of a depth role that we saw him start to play the body a bit more. So all put together, I think that Newhook did receive some opportunity but he was kept on a short leash. It wasn't quite extended. Like when he did begin to make mistakes because the Avs needed to string together some wins because the whole of the team was not doing so great. This is where finishing became an issue for the entirety of the team. And Newhook not being able to find his offense, which is supposed to be the strength of his game, made it impossible to justify keeping him up in the lineup. And it's a tough decision. I don't disagree with why it was made, Um, but... I, I do also feel sympathetic that because of all the injuries and call-ups that happened, sometimes this opportunity wasn't quite what it seemed for him. See, I, you know, Megan, I, I struggle a lot of times when I see this type of conversation around young players, like opportunity, they need opportunity, they need opportunity. And I mean, Jared Bednar flat out said it pretty aggressively last year. And you and I talked quite a bit about it, how he said, this is not a developmental league. Like if you are here, Right. At least with this organization, we expect you to be able to jump in and contribute and play the role we need you to play. And if you're not doing that, we will find someone else that that will. I I struggle at times because people want to take a step back. Even Martin Cout, I think there's some revisionist history done on his opportunity in Colorado. How, oh, he hardly got any opportunity. Like the abs have given 
plenty of looks to these kids. Alex Newhook got plenty of power play reps. He had some penalty kill reps at times this year because they were so depleted. Uh, you know, he was asked to play bigger minutes at times. He was asked to play. I mean, he got reps. Not, I'm not saying a ton, but like he got reps alongside Nathan McKinnon, alongside Miko Rantanen, uh, you know, some of the bigger players at different spots over these last two years. I always thought the criticism against the coaching staff for not dropping him in Nazem Kadri's spot last year in the playoffs was ridiculous. Yeah. You were in the Western Conference final, Stanley Cup final. You did not, unless Alex Newhook was, I mean, just shredding that bottom six, you did not have time to mess around with dropping a first-year player into your top six heading into the Stanley Cup final against Tampa Bay Lightning. So if you want to say that that was an opportunity not given to him, sure. I'll give you that if you want. I just don't quite see it that way. Here's my my issue with with the whole opportunity versus what did he actually do? Because I agree with you. I think there was a short leash given. Here's your opportunity. Can you do it? Nope. Sorry, we can't. Okay. Here we're gonna give you another opportunity. Can you do it? No. Okay. Whatever. Next. Moving on. I just saw too many times this year where Alex Newhook did not rise to the occasion of we're laying this opportunity in front of you, go take it. I think his best hockey of the year, his most consistent hockey of the year, came when he was playing alongside Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano. And you can have all kinds of conversations, which we have had before, about, okay, if he's playing up in the in a healthy lineup in that 2C, does that how much does that look different? How much does that help? And sure, you can maybe talk about that, but it it's a little bit, and I'll use concerning, but that's maybe a dramatic word, concerning that his best hockey came when he was playing in a fourth line role why didn't we see any of these like great extended flashes when he was given these little bit you know uh, higher up in the lineup looks power play opportunities uh you know top six reps he started the season last year as the 2c with alex galchenyuk and evan rodriguez sure. more or less yes yes you're not you're not wrong but but again like what I think we never saw from him was him seize any of those opportunities with an extended flash. I'm not saying he had to take it once and be a second line center for the rest of his career, but I just I would have liked to see a wow, these last two weeks, Alex Newhook has really, you know, put the pressure on the coaching staff. How can you drop him back down the lineup? Ah, okay, he struggled for a few games. Maybe you gotta shift him around, get that confidence back. It seemed to me like that confidence, once that confidence went his play just became too inconsistent and, and unreliable. And Jared Bednar has told us, I like to know what I'm getting. And I did not feel like you knew what you were getting from Alex Newhook. I think the best hockey we saw from him, and this is maybe where the overarching criticism of Newhook comes into play. And that is that he was a little too reliant of who he played alongside. And yes. that when he was playing alongside players who are known for their consistency and what they bring to the table is very known in Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor, though, you know, you're not expecting a ton of offense. These are where we saw some of the best flashes of Newhook and where he also played the most consistently, consistently, but that can't be something that is only dependent upon who he's playing alongside. Yeah. And I think that's where what was wanted from Newhook was to take some more ownership of his own identity as a player. The versatility in his game, I think will serve him well, but there's also a component of needing to be more sure of who he is as a player, regardless of the line that's that he's on point. and who he's playing alongside. And that's where I think that there isn't 
a lack of opportunity to do that because you can do that anywhere in the lab. hundred percent. And that's a, that's a great way of putting that. Maybe. And I think that's where he needs to rediscover his confidence and his identity a little bit. And he has more runway to do it in Montreal because we've talked about it. They, the abs needed new hook to be that guy right now. I think he can one day, but he isn't. And hopefully he can find that in Montreal, but it's, it's a, it's a sad thing that things didn't work out in Colorado totally. because I still think this is a player again with a little bit of runway could maybe be that guy, but they just need more certainty. And I think that is demonstrated in the moves they've made this off season and the type of players that they've sought out. We like to know what we're getting. If you're going to be a second line center, that's a much bigger role than maybe what people give it credit for. You have to be able to be a play driver. You have to be able to make things happen. You have to be able to play all 200 feet of the ice. Uh, and the abs were just not in a position to wait and see if he could uh, become that DNVR avalanche podcast. We are in the throes of summer uh, going through all of our off season content. We all, we are brought to you by Breckenridge brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They got all of their uh, delicious flavors available. Rudo and I were just, Rudo and I were just gushing yesterday about a nice, uh, strawberry sky here in on a nice hot summer day, which it is a nice hot summer day. I've been complaining a lot on Twitter the last week about how bad the, the weather has been. Uh, it's been a nice week so far here uh, in Denver. They got the Palisade Peach uh, beer as well. We got the Avalanche Ale, Broncos Country, all that good stuff. Use a Breck beer locator uh, on breckbrew.com. Find a uh, liquor store near you that has all of your favorites available in all 50 of the United States uh, so breckbrew.com, use a Breck beer locator, pick up, like I said, my personal favorite for this time of year, strawberry sky, Ruta loves the Palisade peach. Uh, so pick one up breckbrew.com, use a Breck beer locator. We also are brought to you guys by, uh, one of our newer partners, bet three, six, five. Uh, they are one of the original pioneers in live in game betting today. Bet three, six, five, uh, offers the widest range of games and markets available, uh, for live in game betting. What I love about Bet365, I was poking around in the app. They were really big in Europe before they came to the U.S., so they have a bunch of the obscure European leagues for all these kinds of different sports. So there's all kinds of fun, crazy stuff that you can be betting on um, all the time. <clears throat> they live stream over 780,000 events each year, and they are a proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, you can get a better price on chosen markets for select games with Bet365 Boosts or Bet365 Bet Super Boosts. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's still going on. I haven't. I, I haven't looked today, but I know they did have the Avs boosted to plus one thousand for Stanley Cup odds next year. Uh, so that's going to be some of the best odds you'll probably be able to get them uh, between now and next June. Uh, Turn $1 into $200 of bonus bets when you join Bet365. Download the app, deposit $10, and claim $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for $1. Bet Download the Bet365 app and use DNVR365. Uh, when you sign up, that's code DNVR365. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text one 800 gambler this is the dnvr avalanche podcast jesse montano megan angley we got tiff on the board today and it is time actually speaking of bet 365 for this week's bet 365 top five uh this is my first take at this uh rudo got it last week so uh was looking forward to this i ran the top five by you 
And I think I may have a couple controversial answers on here. Uh, but when I was starting to go through to make this list, I realized it's a slim list. This week, Megan, you and I are going to talk about what I think are the top five free agent signings in Avs history. I judge these based off of what I thought they meant to the franchise. The Avs haven't had a lot of super interesting free agency signings in their history, and there's actually probably more that you could point to that weren't good uh, than were. But these are the five that I think throughout history have, have made the have had the, the most significant impact uh, on the organization one way or the other. Uh, so I guess we'll start here with number five. Paul Correa and Timu Solani. I'm lumping this into one. Uh, this may be one that I'm sure the chat is going to light up saying this was a terrible <laughs> signing that did not go well. Uh, and it didn't go well. It was an injury-riddled season. Uh, and, and really this group ended up coming up way short of expectations. But Megan, I had this one at number five because I remember when this, when these signings happened together, it was huge. It was, it was, a, it was a, kind of a landmark moment for the Avalanche franchise. It was the first time they really made like a big splash in the free agency pool. And it was an official sign of like, we are going for it again. We think we, we've won two. We let one slip through our fingers in 2002. We are going for this. Uh, and I just remember that being a big deal. Those are two Hall of Famers they signed in one summer. Do you have any memories of this or do you try to block this one out because of how I, it ended? No, I, I don't have memories of this. <laughs> but my interpretation of it is very similar for your reasoning and putting it in this list. And it marks a time where the abs were a destination mm -hmm. for players that would have been highly coveted and wanted even by their former team to stay yeah. on board, but they made this decision in this last ditch effort in choosing Colorado. This is where I think I can win. This yes. is the place that I think I can do it. I want to be there. And I think with Colorado, this is still an open-ended conversation regarding how desirable Colorado is for players to land. And we still aren't exactly sure how easy it has been to bring over some players, entice them, and for different reasons. Like we've talked about why Florida has been able to maybe entice some players into coming. And I just think this marks a time where the Avs were historically the place to be yeah. where you wanted to win. I think they're in a similar position now. And I can really appreciate when players seek out and want to be in Colorado mm -hmm. because they see this as the place you can win. And though the outcome, like for these <laughs> players, especially on an individual level, wasn't what we had hoped, I can appreciate where their head was at and how they valued Colorado at that time. It, it really felt like, cool, just just plan the parade route now and, and we'll deal with the logistics later. Uh, all right, moving on. Number four. Jan Hayda. This seems a little maybe off the board following up Paul Correa and Timu Solani. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, but this was a free agent signing, and Jan Hayda was here through some of the lean years in Colorado, played right next to Eric Johnson on that top pairing and, and was one of the few consistent and somewhat, you know, kind of bright spots on those really bad teams. And this was a guy that I have him here because it was when the team was not good. And he came in and he played a, a formidable role for them for several seasons. Well, and I think about the effect it had on Eric Johnson's trajectory mm -hmm. because we get 13 seasons or years of Eric Johnson in part because of this emergence that has to happen in having a quality player alongside him to earn that top pair role. Mm -hmm. And I also, I wouldn't say Jan Heda marks the start of this by any means, but 
the identity of the Avs blue line now in wanting them to chip in offensively, I think, is reinforced by the way that Jan Heda also liked to play and wanting to be a player that could be productive from the blue line. And I think that all of these things kind of work in laying a foundation for what the Avs were to become once they got out of the dark years. Mm -hmm. And I think this was something that was a long time coming and it doesn't start or stop with Jan Heda, but I think he plays a role in it completely. You you tying him to the the eventual trajectory of Eric Johnson, I think is really interesting. Not even really something that I had considered when putting him on this list. Uh, But I think you're totally right. He, He is still very involved with the Avs alumni. We've seen him here. Uh, down at the bar before and really for me it's it's the comment there that says Hata sucked on a team that really sucked or Hata didn't suck on a team that really sucked I think that kind of sums it up for, for me he came Definitely. here and he, he was a positive influence uh, on the organization in a really dark time uh number three uh I remember not liking this one at the time he was one of my all-time favorites as a kid but it seemed like he was near the end of his career when he got to Colorado before kind of rejuvenating it, Jean-Sebastien Giguere. And the biggest reason I've got him at number three, Megan, is I think he was one of the original seeds that started to flip this culture to what it is that we know it to be right now today. I think Jared Bednar kind of took it the rest of the way. But J.S. Giguere was the first person when this team was really bottoming out that stood up and said, we're not, I'm not taking this anymore. We aren't doing this. I'm not listening to your guys' plans about Vegas and Cabo and all that. We have games to win, and I cannot help but think that part of his influence here rubbed off on Nathan McKinnon, on Gabe Landeskog, and, and really led to kind of what we know as the core now, and it was the mentality, and he was also pretty good for the Avs. I think he was steady, and I actually, in linking Eric Johnson's trajectory to Jan Heda, I am linking Varlamov's trajectory mm-hmm. to having the veteran mentorship of Shakir in that. And I think that having that mentorship wasn't just good for the entirety of the team's culture, because I think there was a reality check in how Jagir responded to the Vegas comments mm-hmm. that I think is such an important call out, because... In a couple of these, we are talking about a foundation that's being laid for the future of a team that will eventually go on to win a cup. And I think you're right. I think some of that culture starts with Jagir. But I also think Varley, whose time in Colorado was definitely like, I think people evaluate it differently. But I do think that Varley was also like didn't suck on teams that did suck at times. He could be the guy that they could count on to close out games. And Varley becoming that, I think, starts with having that mentorship from Shagir. So there were a lot of things that I liked about Shagir in his time here as well. And the last part of this, Nathan McKinnon's rookie roommate. He lived in J.S. Shagir's house. Uh, I believe it was just for his rookie year. But again, that. that just goes a little bit back to, uh, I think J.S. Shagir really was. If, if you dig deep into uh, you know, what kind of built all this, I think J.S. Shagir was the first building block for the culture that it is that we know now. He was such a competitor. I don't remember the details of this so clearly, so I might mess up some of it, but needing to have a specially formulated brand of Gatorade because mm-hmm. he would yes. lose so much yep. fluids during games is, I think, so Nathan McKinnon coded. Totally. No, that's I, I have forgotten about that, but you are 100% correct. He had to have a special formula to help rehydrate himself because he would lose so much fluids uh, over the course of a game. Uh, number two, and this is one that I remember really being excited about when it got done. Jerome Aginla. This is the, 
second Patrick Waugh summer. They had just won the Central Division, made the playoffs, and this felt a little bit to me like the Paul Correa, Timu Solani thing where there was a big name. The Avs had just lost Paul Stasny in free agency, so they made their big splash, went out, acquired an all-time great, had a 29-goal season his first year in Colorado, and again, on those couple of seasons thereafter where he was where, where the team really went through some dark days I thought Jerome McGinley was a bright spot and again continued to push guys like Gabe Landeskog Nathan McKinnon forward in their development despite the team struggling uh and and, and he was a good av he, he was, was a really good av. he was a good av I think he is so much a part of the blueprint of like what we look for in players today mm-hmm. and cultural fits because of him just being such a positive and bright person as well and it going back to the conversation of Colorado being a destination that players see a chance to win and I think that there's some truth to again love you in Colorado in that way as well and then just the again veteran presence that he brings in having this full career behind him before even coming here I think that all it works together he's just he was a good av yeah No, I thought he was a really good app, even though it was short-lived. That was, again, another kind of what I considered to be marquee signing. We were able to attract uh, the big free agent. And then my number one, this has been thrown around a lot, probably shouldn't be too surprising. It's Big Val. Val Nachushkin, originally acquired by the Avalanche on a one-year show-me deal for $850,000, is now one of the highest-paid players in the league. In the, in the league, on the team, uh, bona fide top six player uh, at times by several players on both Tampa Bay and Colorado side was referred to as the best player in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Megan, this is the blueprint that everybody now points to when you talk about any kind of reclamation project, what the abs have done with Val Nachushkin as a free agent coming back to North America from the KHL relative to what he is now. Uh, this is like one of the ultimate success stories for free agent signings. It's one of the ultimate success stories for Colorado in what they were able to get from this player. Like free agent or otherwise, I think this is when we talk about, what's the word I'm looking for? Projects. Um, mm-hmm. There's a specific word. Reclamation. Reclamation yes. projects. This is a word we throw around a lot because we see the success the Evs had in Valnichushkin that it's even inspired this hope that they can do something like this with other players. Yeah. and. It's hard to believe that until we see it come to fruition with other players, but it took about three full seasons before Val Nachushkin reached this potential, which is so such a far cry from what he came to Colorado. The starting point to where he ended up is such a dramatic difference, and it's why he got paid. And he is, his fingerprints are all over the 2022 team and mm-hmm. the success that they had. And some of it, I think, is this was a player who already fit what Colorado needed in some ways, but then so much of it he had to become. And he became that over the span of those three seasons in Colorado. And that is his from his own commitment too mm-hmm. and what he brought to the table. I think it's such an easy choice for the number one because of all the work that Valna Chushkin had to put yes. in to get to that point as well. Well, and it's you mentioned the 2022, his fingerprints are all over it. The, the thing that's always most impressive to me is that, again, I spoke to players with Tampa Bay this year. Uh, obviously, we spoke to a bunch of Avs, you know, all throughout the year about it. And I had several players on both sides say there were multiple games where Val Nachushkin was the best player, uh, and you consider he was doing that with that foot injury. Um, 
He's a special player. I'm anxious for him to get all of this stuff from the end of the season put behind him, be able to get back on the ice uh, and just start playing because he is uh, he's, he's a pleasure to watch. And, and the, when you consider the way that he was brought on board to this avalanche group, uh, it's it, it just it's impressive. And, and it's a fun memory. One year, 850K has turned into all of this, Megan. Uh, so that was the bet three, six, five top five uh, of the week uh, for the DNVR Avalanche podcast and top five free agents, Paul Korea, Timu Solani, Jan Hayda, J.S. Shiger, Jerome McGinley, and Val Nachushkin. There it is. Tell us why you agree. Tell us why I'm the biggest idiot on earth and I've never watched hockey before. Um, <laughs> yeah, let us know what you think. I like that. We should do that. No, like I like show. it too. <laughs> and I, I wanted to shout out Darren Helm. One Ooh, on yeah. his retirement. Congratulations yep. to Darren Helm. But also kind of similarly and looking at the efficacy of that fourth line in the 2022 playoffs. I don't think they survived the Western Conference final without the Helm mm -hmm. OC Cogliano line. And I think that he was such a good fit in Colorado. I'm glad that he chose Colorado as a destination. And this is one success story where it paid off and he was able to get the cup here in Colorado um, in, in taking that gamble. And I was really happy that it worked out for him. Uh, that, I think that's a great call. I mean, really, there's a lot of guys from that 22 team um, that I think you could point to, you know, even should even jack johnson as like an honorable mention Absolutely. type thing um yeah no i uh we should revisit more historical app stuff like that this summer definitely uh, because that was the thing going through and making that list was it was fun to relive some of the good and my goodness some of the bad uh, <laughs> oh god those are like the most formative years for my hockey too <laughs> were some of the worst years of avalanche hockey yeah oh my gosh uh this is the uh, DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, we are brought to you guys by Shady Rays. I was staring at our uh, one of our lovely uh, oh, sales. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, one, one of oh. our uh, Caitlin, one of our uh, sales people, came down and was just standing off to the side of the set a minute ago. I was like, "What is happening?" And as soon as the camera cut to me, she delivered. Ooh, those are great. I, I have. Ooh, those are nice. Really nice. I like those. Uh, delivering a fresh pair of Shady Rays to Megan here. Uh, you can shop their entire collection online, or you can hit their brick-and-mortar store inside of the Park Meadows Mall here in Lone Tree, Colorado. Uh, so you can try them on, see how they fit, all that good stuff. If you don't love your Shady Rays, or if you break them, uh, lose them, anything like that, within the first 30 days, they will ship you a new pair. No risk when you shop Shady Rays. They always have your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. So you can try for yourself the shades that have been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Again, if you want to look as good as Megan does in those Shady Rays, head to their website, ShadyRays.com or to the brick and mortar inside of the park meadows mall also brought to you guys by bacchus and shanker they've been winning for colorado families for over 25 years two 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 megan if you get hurt in a car accident on a scooter <laughs> bike ride share walking if it wasn't your fault give that number a call they will help you out they will help you out if you were injured at work and it was not your fault they've won over a billion dollars for their clients and best of all they don't charge you a thing until they win your case. So they'll take your case. They'll hear it. They'll let you know if you even have a case. 
Uh, before they even charge you a dollar, they you only pay if they get you paid. Uh, they have even more locations in Colorado now. They have offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins to help better serve families in Colorado. They want to help with your injury case uh, where you weren't at fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Two, 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 two. Just keep pressing two till you get Bacchus and Shanker and they will help you out. Oof. You may need to leave those on because we're going to talk about the bright future of some of these oh, uh, as free agents I here as that. we wind things down for the day. Uh, <clears throat> we've talked about what some of the abs players that have done that have moved on we've talked about abs free agent signings of the past we did the abs top five free agent signings of all time brought to you by bet 365 you did not see any of the most recent free agent signings on there because the jury is still out megan my question for you is of the and I'm going to extend it to Ryan Johansson because they really didn't, they weren't super active in free agency this yeah. year. But I want to know from you of Ryan Johansson, Jonathan Druen, Miles Wood, and Ross Colton, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on this roster that when we look back at this a year from now, say, yeah, these guys were good. Ah, uh, he struggled this, that, and the other. But man, this player was a good get for the abs. Do you have one in particular that jumps off the page to you right now? Well, it's like two in particular, but the one that kind of comes ahead in the end is Ryan Johansson. And it is because of everything I've heard about who he is as a person that I think is going to be such a slam dunk cultural fit in Colorado. The concern around whether or not he's like, we're told he's healthy, mm -hmm. but how that looks in on ice gameplay still remains a little bit of a concern for me in addition to just matching the speed generally of Colorado. I think that there are other parts of his game that are going to be so important and they kind of need for it to be like, they didn't really have someone lined up to be Nassim Kadri after he left and then paid the price for that. Mm -hmm. And so that was already an existing hole that needed to be filled. And so there are big shoes to fill for Ryan Johansson that I think he has the most to bring to the table just in terms of what he's looking to fill positionally. But I think they're the parts of his game that I think they're going to like are the parts that make him difficult to play against. I think the cultural fit is going to be there. And then hopefully just the more steady infusion of production on the whole. And that's where all of these players together, mm -hmm. I think, can have a big impact, especially if you're just comparing like last season into the next. Right. I would there is you can't really get worse than what it was last year. <laughs> and so you really want to see them make a huge difference in this way. This is where Joanne could actually be a really fun addition if some of that creativity and skill is still there mm -hmm. and Kenny hang in a top six. And then with what Ross Colton and Miles Wood are expected to bring, there's something that really struck me about Miles Wood revealing that Colorado has been after him for some time mm -hmm. and the confidence boost that that brought him. I want to see that on ice. I want to see the confidence boost on ice. I want to see a player with this renewed sense of faith from his organization in him to be the type of player who can have such an impact on games, totally. change the course of them. And that can come about through the entirety of that third line with Russ Colton there as well. I think that they'll complement the way the other likes to play. So I kind of just answered for everybody. With, <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is how everybody might contribute. But Ryan Johansson kind of at the top of it all, because I think that they're counting on him to bring the most to the table. But 
everybody absolutely can have their hands on this team being competitive next year in the same way that they counted on the entirety of the 2022 team the same way. It wasn't all hands on deck kind of situation. The stars need to be the stars. I have no doubt that the McKinnons and the Rantanens are going to continue to have extremely great years, especially after the disappointment mm-hmm. of last yeah, year. Yeah, I agree with that for I sure. I already have that written in for next year. But now there's opportunity. We talked about this with New Hook, but now there's opportunity for players to seize more than what even I'm expecting of them. And that's where I hope the boost in confidence for Miles Wood is something observable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like all that. And I, and I like what you're saying about the way that Ryan Johansson has the potential to fit and, and can that kind of lead to a bit of a resurgence for him? Because uh, that could be huge. If you can get, I was on a, a radio hit last week and I likened it, not all, you know, that unlike to when they brought in Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri was not coming off a great season he had kind of been bumped down to that third line center and they brought him into Colorado and said, we're going to elevate you and we're going to give you more responsibility and we want you to get back to who you were. Uh, if they can do that with, with Rijo, I'm, I'm with you. I think it could be huge. My answer is Jonathan Drew. And I'm going to say something here that I said to Rudo off the air the other day that could end up getting me radioed <laughs> a bit here. And I could look really, really, really dumb in 12 months. I think it's going to be Jonathan Drew and Megan. There is something inside of me that is saying we are staring down the barrel of a 60 point season for Jonathan Druin. I think when you, when you dive into the way that he's actually played when he's been available over the last four seasons, this is a guy that is a steady 40 to 50 point guy. I think that playmaking is still there. I think the skating is still there. I think the vision is still there. I think he's had a rough go these last few years between actual injuries and then needing, you know, some help on the mental health side of things. I think he's got his head on straight. I think he's ready to play. I think he's healthy. I think he's going to get to Colorado. He's going to get opportunities with Nathan McKinnon, who even if they aren't necessarily playing right next to each other, it's a great friend who said he openly advocated. <clears throat> Chris McFarland said he openly advocated for Jonathan Druin to get to Colorado. There was a uh, story that just came out recently uh, between with Elliot Friedman saying that when he spoke to Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. uh, I believe this was right before Druin was traded to the Canadians that he told Elliot Friedman, I need you to talk up Jonathan Druin. I need him to get to Colorado. That's someone who's in his corner. We keep going back to the confidence thing. That's got to be a huge boost of confidence. The highest paid player in the league has been begging his management to bring you to his team for X number of years. He's here. I think we are looking at what could be a huge season for Jonathan Druin. And really the biggest thing is he needs to stay healthy. This is the one part I keep wanting to double and triple down on. Him having a 60-point year, if he plays, you know, close to 82 games, is not that lofty when you look at his point-per-game production over the last four years. That is him just overperforming by a little bit from what he's done the last handful of years. I think he can do that. I think he's going to get an elevated look in this lineup. Uh, and I, I believe one year from now, we'll be looking back saying that was their biggest get of the season How are they extending him? What does the extension look like? And I think that we've seen this in other players, even who just share momentarily ice with McKinnon, Rantanen, and then any combination of Lackanen, Nachushkin, the bump in their play to include JT Comfer. Now, that's not to take away from what JT Comfer was able to accomplish by himself. No, but but I think moonlighting in the second line last year and it honestly just the top six generally and then getting the then PP1 minutes was a complete bump in his play. I think to an extent, 
this happened with Nazem Kadri as well. Yep. Like again, separate, very good players who still had the tools as well, especially Nazem Kadri. But then with a supporting cast that is made up of Nathan McKinnon and Rantanen, the bump is inevitable. Yeah. So for Druan, it's it's going to be very feasible. But then getting the opportunities likely on the power play as well are going to be other ways in which they can lean into this side of their game again in a way that I'm sure is exciting, especially to then be reunited with Nathan McKinnon yeah. too. I think the confidence boost is also a completely true part of this story because players will remember which teams took a chance on them. I mean, Val Nachushin's a great example. 100%. He signed here and straight up said, these are the guys that took a chance on me. Like, yeah, because we heard that like this Nachushkin contract, before it happened, this was considered a friendly-ish deal right, that right, he right. took yeah. for Colorado because this is the team that took a mm-hmm. chance on him. So you're right. It and matters. he understood the value of that that relationship. And I want to make sure I I, uh, I I mention we talked about it with Alex Newhook about seizing opportunity. Jonathan Druin's going to have to do the same thing. He's going to get his looks and he's got to take advantage of those. But I just think to your point, the makeup of the line that he will eventually be on, whether it's Rantanen, McKinnon, whatever. If you run out night one with Lekkinen, McKinnon, Druin. You have your playmaker, you have your shooter, and you have the guy that's going to go dig pucks out, get to the front of the net, be hard to play against, heavy on the wall, forecheck. Like, that is, if if you run that, and then you run Nachushkin, Johansson, Rantanen, you have a very good top six that checks each box, a shooter, a playmaker, a forechecker, to simplify that last role as much as you can. And I think it's going to put both Ryan Johansson and Jonathan Druin in a really good situation to succeed. Stack that with the culture and the systems and the, you know, everything that we've seen that have made a lot of what you were referring to these players come in and be able to take their game to the next level, add in all of that. And and I think it's inevitable for a guy like Druin. Any final thoughts for today, man? It's kind of a weird way to end the show, but I almost wondered with Ben Meyer still needing to be re-upped by mm-hmm. the Avs, if Newhook serves as something of a cautionary tale on what it means to seize opportunity more immediately, because he's someone that I think had also a handful of opportunities with the Avs last year that just didn't quite click. I think that he made improvements, but the step forward wasn't quite there. And I just wonder if that's another person in the bottom six that we can be looking toward to expect more from in this next year and if maybe there is something to be learned from how things panned out for Alex Newhook. Uh, ben Myers is definitely one we'll be keeping an eye on. I think he is at at absolute worst your 13th for this year. I expect him to be at, at this point you're probably looking at him as the opening night 4C. It's tough. For right now. So we'll see. Uh, Megan, so great to have you back. Glad you made it back. Uh, safe. Too. <laughs> uh, and all of that. We do have one super chat before we get out of here. Uh, $2 from Kevin. Like the Avs off-season, off-season's moves. I can't read, apparently. Uh, let's go October. Yeah, we are, we are officially getting into that phase where uh, it's a nice break at first. Even immediately after the Stanley Cup final, it's like, okay, little bit of downtime now we get into the draft and Megan like not to like we have a very cool job not trying to make it sound dramatic but like we were everyone was exhausted coming back from Nashville Nashville was like I'm tapped we had to do one more day of free agency and then I won't lie that was was, tough it was nice to get a little bit of like a whoo catch our breath nothing crazy but now we're like a week and a half later and I'm already sitting here like 
Okay, can we get this started? Can we get going again? Like, I'm already bored. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I want to be back. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely getting ready for it to be uh, October at some point here, uh, soon as well. Jesse Montano, that is Megan Angley. Oh. Really? Oh, oh my goodness gracious, Tiff saving the, the day. Best for Yeah. Last. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just I uh. <laughs> uh yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. We changed things up on the traffic log and I miss it. But I was about to give a bunch of love to Tiff anyways, and then she saves my job regardless. So <laughs> I'm going to double down on that when we're leaving because she clearly knows what's up. Uh, but go get signed up for, uh, I guess it's still technically the new uh, Die Hard uh, subscription on our website. I'm, I'm, it's still new to me, right? We've been here. We've been around long enough. This is new. Uh, more premium content stuff that's behind the paywall that they have access to. You get members-only discounts when you're here at the bar, members-only events. When we do the, uh, not watch-alongs, it's definitely the off-season, the words escape me, party bus. Uh, you guys get first access, you guys get discounted tickets, things like that, special merchandise, all of that good stuff. And my understanding is that this Die Hard, the, 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 the Die Hards are going to get even more every year in the future. We are looking more and more ways uh, to cater to our Die Hards. So, TheDNVR.com. Become a diehard today. Start taking advantage of all the awesome perks that we do give uh, to our amazing diehards. That I mean, really, that's they're a big reason why we're here. Uh, like Denver diehards were why this company was started. Uh, so we just always want to be able to give back to you guys as much as possible. So TheDNVR.com. Get signed up. Become a diehard today. Take advantage of all the awesome perks, discounts, and events that we have coming up. Uh, it's only getting better and better every year, Megan. So this upcoming half season, I'm sure there's going to be more stuff for diehards than we've ever done before. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be great. You don't want to miss out on it. You want to make sure you can read everything, see everything, and be a part of everything. Because uh, that's what we're all about here. So, thednvr.com. Become a diehard today. That's Megan Angley. I'm Jesse Montano. We got super producer Tiff today running the board. Um, doing a great job for us. As always, make sure to give her some love uh, on Twitter. Throw your Twitter handle up there as well. Oh, she doesn't have time. All right. That, that seemed like an excuse, but next time uh, we're going to make sure we get Tiff some love. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back at it tomorrow.